0: worship your name the name of Jesus and there's power in that name because you are the power of the universe that you spoke and the worlds and universe was created you called Lazarus out of the tomb because of the power of your words because of who you are and we come now God to your living word, a word of power that speaks life into us that gives us hope that calls us out of the grave places in our life where we're stuck. It's the power of the name of Jesus, and we celebrate that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. And have a seat. So today, we are continuing our series, Reset, and we are talking about loving God with all of our strength. Right? So I want you to know that this morning as I was preparing for this message on strength, I was lifting weights in my office this morning. I know you're all impressed by that. Actually, these days I lift weight every time I get up out of a chair. (laughs) You know, um, when we hear the word strength, we automatically begin to think of our personal might, our action. And our power, you know, it kind of summons our can-do attitude. We're ready to go. Take action. I remember as a very small child, I was probably preschool age, and we had this little dog, and the little dog had to go outside. And right before my mom got out of her chair to help let the dog out, I chirped in. I said, Mommy, I can do it. I can do it. And so sure enough, I ran over to the sliding glass door, and yes, I was open, able to open that door all by myself, right? Right? And then I closed the door and slammed it on my fingers. It was horrible. Nearly chopped off those tiny little nubby fingers. And then as a young teen, I remember also, I had this friend of mine. I don't know if you remember the days when we used to have those bikes, you know, with the big handlebars and the banana seats. Well, he used to be able to ride his bike with no hands. He was so cool. He'd sit back there with his arms crossed, you know, nodding at the ladies. Uh huh. And I thought to myself, you know what? I can do that. I can do that. Right? And so I turned to my friends. I took my hands off my handlebars. I said, hey, guys, look at me. And I slammed my face into the back of a parked car. <laughs> I tell you, I can tell you a lot of stories about times when I took you know, matters into my own hands, wanted to exert my own strength, and ended up with a really bad situation. But there's a guy that beats me in all of these categories. He really takes the cake. I want to read you a letter that he wrote to his insurance company. He said this, I'm writing in a response to your request for additional information about the case and cause of my accident. In block three of the form, I put trying to do the job alone. And you said I should explain more fully and I'll trust that the following details will be sufficient. You see, I'm a bricklayer by trade. And on the date of the accident, I was working alone on the roof of a new six-story building. And when I completed my work, I found that I had about 500 pounds of brick left over. And rather than carry the bricks down by hand, I decided to lower the bricks in a barrel using a pulley attached to the side of the building at the sixth floor. So securing the rope at ground level, I went up to the roof, swung the barrel out, and loaded all the bricks into it. And then I went back to the ground and untied the rope, holding it tightly to ensure a slow descent of the 500 pounds of brick. So you'll note in block 11 of the accident report that I only weigh about 150 pounds. (laughs) And in my surprise at being jerked off the ground, so suddenly I forgot to let go of the rope. So I was pulled rapidly up the side of the building. About the third floor, I met the barrel coming down. This explains the fractured skull and the broken collarbone. Slowed only slightly, I continued my rapid ascent, not stopping until the fingers of my right hand were two knuckles deep into the pulley. Fortunately by this time, I regained my presence of mind and I was able to hold tightly to the rope in spite of my pain. However, at this time, the barrel of bricks hit the ground and the bottom fell out of the barrel, spilling the bricks. The empty barrel only weighed 50 pounds now, and so I began a rapid descent on the side of the building. Around the third floor, I met the barrel coming up. This accounts for the two fractured ankles and the lacerations on my lower body. The encounter with the barrel, however, slowed me down enough to lessen my injuries when I fell into the pile of bricks. Fortunately, I only cracked three vertebrae. But as I lay there in the bricks in pain and unable to stand, I watched the empty barrel six stories above me. And again, I lost my presence of mind. I let go of the rope. And the empty barrel crashed down on top of me and broke both of my legs. I'm hoping that this gives you all the information you need to process my claim. Oh, my goodness. This poor guy. I guess the moral of the story is when you go it alone you're likely to moan. <laughs> I hear moaning out there. But isn't it true that when it comes to power and strength, that we tend to look inward and look inside of us to our own ability, right? We want to kind of tap into our inner Captain America or Wonder Woman. and We want to be strong and say, I got this. But at some point, hopefully, we come to the reset moment where we realize that our greater strength and power doesn't come from within, but comes from above. You know, we think of power as overcoming weakness, but one of the stranger things about the Bible is that it flips the concept of power upside down. And the Bible tells us that the weak are strong, and it's the meek who inherit the earth. So King David, right? You remember King David, the guy who fought a lion and a bear? You know, he's the guy who slew Goliath. He's sort of the Chuck Norris of the Old Testament. Well, he's described as a man after God's heart. And David tells us this. He says, the Lord is my strength. And then there's the apostle Paul, right? The evangelical gladiator of the New Testament. Well, Paul had this debilitating weakness that he sought God and begged over and over again that God would take away. But this is what God told him in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And then Paul goes on to tell us, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses And in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And so you see, Paul realized that it was his weakness and dependence upon God that was the key to experiencing God's power. And it's when we admit our weakness that we affirm God's strength. And so it's interesting because in many ways, right? Isn't it true that the path toward loving God with all of our strength is to love him in our weakness and our dependence and to love him like a very small child in a trusting way. And you know what that makes God so attainable for all of us? When we're weak, when we're broken, when we're empty, that we can love God with all of our strength, even when we feel like we don't have any strength left. And so today we're gonna talk about that: how we can tap into God's power. And how that can be our strength so that we can love God with the strength that he provides and gives to us. And so if you could take your message outlined out of your program there, and we're going to begin together. And if you have a Bible with you, we're going to be looking at a great story in Mark chapter nine. I encourage you to turn there. If you don't have a Bible with you, do not worry. The key verses will be up here on the screen. You can follow along. And then if you don't own a Bible, we want you to know we'd love you to have one as a gift. Just grab one on the bookshelf out here on your way out. So um, I chose the ninth chapter of Mark, not just because the guy has an awesome name, Um, (laughs) but there's a story in here that talks a lot about power, and we're talking about resetting our power today. There's power that restrains and power that constricts and power that sets us free. And this story we're going to look at is a story that I can really relate to because I can see myself in this story. And in that way, it helps me know and love Jesus more as I encounter him through it. I hope it's the same for you today. So what happens in Mark chapter nine, in the very beginning of the chapter, we see the recount of how Jesus took his disciples, Peter, James, and John up to the mountain, and he was transfigured before them. They got a chance to see him in his glorified state. And then they're talking with Moses and Elijah, it's this powerful moment. And then they're coming back down the mountain. And this is where we pick up in Mark 9, 14 to 16. It says, when they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them. And some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. So again, they come down the mountain, and Jesus, James, Peter, John... They all walk in into this crazy, chaotic situation that seems to be revolving around a father that had brought his son desperately for help. See, the father had tried everything. He'd been everywhere looking for solutions, and then he'd just come to the end of himself and realized that he needed help. And that's our first point. When it comes to loving God with all of our strength, I admit, I can't do it on my own. I admit I can't do it on my own. So here's how I relate to this story. You see, if there's an area of my life where I admit that I have to have help, it's with my kids, right? You see, whether it has to do with their health or their well-being or even the things that they're struggling with, I find that I tend to feel more pain over their pain than I do even with my own, and I have to turn to God for strength. So Mark 9, 17 and 18, or yeah, 17 and 18 says this, one of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, and if you look at the other gospels it actually says that he shouted out he cried out and fell on his knees before Jesus teacher i brought my son to you so you could heal him he's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk and whenever this spirit seizes him it throws him to a violent foams violently to the ground and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid so i asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit but they couldn't do it poor father is helpless. He's brokenhearted over his son that's been bound by this demon that's literally trying to destroy and kill him. And the father takes a very important first step, you see. The step that he takes is to admit that he's powerless. That's the first step, right? In AA, Celebrate Recovery, any 12-step program, the first step is to admit that you're powerless. It's a step we all have to take. Johnny Erickson Tata. I don't know if you've heard of her before, but as a young girl, uh, she had a horrible accident that caused her to become a paraplegic. And she said this, she said, deny your weakness and you'll never realize God's strength in you. I love that quote. Because we can't begin a journey toward emotional or spiritual health without facing the reality that we can't do it on our own without God. You know, Jesus describes the relationship that he wants to have with us. Um, he describes it this beautiful way. He, he talks about us being in this dependent relationship where we're in connection with him, and he supplies the strength that we need. He says this in John fifteen five. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? nothing. Yeah. So we have to admit that we can't do it on our own. And instead of turning inward, we need to turn upward and rely on God, which is our second point. I turn to God for help and strength. I turn to God for help and strength. You know, isn't it true that when we find ourselves in helpless, difficult situations, we start to scramble, we start to reach, we start to grasp for answers and solutions where what we really need to grab hold of is God's provision and his presence. You see, when this father came seeking and looking for Jesus, he was desperate. He brought his son. He couldn't find Jesus anywhere. He was up on the mountain. But he did find his disciples and he, he asked his disciples to cast out the demon, but they couldn't do it. And what's really fascinating is how Jesus' responds to this news. It's almost troubling being honest with you. Listen to what he says in Mark 9, 19 to 22. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? I can relate to that sometimes. (laughs) Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into violent convulsions and he fell down to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father and he replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him, have mercy on us and help us if you can. I want to point out that Jesus is not saying to the boy or to his father that he's frustrated with them. He's actually very frustrated with his disciples. (laughs) And I think we can start to begin to understand this because he's pretty tough on them here. But haven't we heard him say this before? Calling out their lack of faith after all the things that they'd seen him do. But at the very end of the chapter, I think it gives us a little bit of a hint, a a peek in verses 28 and 29. When the disciples get away after this incident with Jesus, they ask him, why couldn't we cast out the demon? We'd done it before. And Jesus tells them, it's because you lacked faith, because you didn't pray. (laughs) And so we can kind of suppose that maybe what happened here is that the disciples, based on their prior successes sort of leaned on their own strength and power rather than relying on Jesus. And they didn't even pray. Maybe they're trying to show off or those religious leaders, and they couldn't help the boy. They relied on themselves more than they relied on him. And in contrast to this frustration that Jesus had with his disciples, he actually he, he reaches out to this father with great compassion and tenderness, and he looks at the boy, and he says, how long has this been happening? I think Jesus knew the answer already, right? (laughs) So why did he ask the question? I think he asked the question so that he could hear the father express his heart and share the brokenhearted story about his son, his only son. Jesus was very present with him in his pain. And so the father pleaded with Jesus, Can you please help us? Please help us if you can which leads to our next point. I believe in God's power and promises. I believe in God's power and promises. So while the father seemed pretty confident that Jesus cared, it also seems to seem as if he really isn't sure if Jesus has the power to be able to help the boy. And so Jesus replied in Mark 9:23 to 24, "What do you mean if I can?" <laughs> Jesus asked, he said this, he said, anything is possible. If a person believes, the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. If I can, Jesus is almost startled. I mean, he has this track record, right? Everywhere he goes, he's healing people. He's casting out demons. He even rose people from the dead. If I can, you see, once again, faith. Seems so elusive, almost like a toddler that's just got out of the bathtub. But Jesus uses this moment, uses the moment to teach everyone an important lesson. And that's this, anything is possible if a person believes. Jesus wanted him to know that it's faith that unlocks the power of God so again, the father's response, it's just so relatable, right? I do believe, but I'm struggling with doubt. Isn't that something we all can relate to? I know I can. You know, we've seen God come through over and over and over consistently, remarkably, and yet we get into this pinch of a situation, and yet we still wonder, God, are you here? God, will you help me? Are you able? Are you willing? And what's so refreshing about this story is that God is never limited by our lack or smallness of faith. In fact, Jesus tells us we just have the faith, the side of a seed of a mustard seed, tiny faith. Even small faith can be large when it's directed in the right direction and placed in the right place. That's what makes the difference. See, Jesus wants us to know him deeply so that we can trust him fully. Fully, strongly. And so how do we build our faith and grow it and make it strong? Well, as I was studying this message this past week, I ran across um, some words by John Piper, a pastor, and I really appreciated them. I wanted to share them with you. And, and John Piper says this, after we pray for God's help, we should remind ourselves of a specific promise that God has made and fix our minds on that promise, put our faith in it, and then say to God... I believe you, help my unbelief, increase my faith in this promise. I'm trusting you, Lord. Here I go. <laughs> and I love that. I love that because it affirms the truth of scripture in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the words of Christ. And again, John Piper says this, Paul says we walk by faith in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. And then we live by faith in Galatians 2.20. But for most of us, this remains vague. Hour by hour, how do we do this? We do it by reminding ourselves of specific concrete promises that God's made. Then we don't just pray for help hour by hour, but we trust these promises hour by hour. Paul says that God supplies the Spirit in you by hearing with faith in Galatians 3.5. That is, we hear a promise... And we believe it for a particular need. And then the Holy Spirit comes and helps us through that believed promise. And I think what John Piper says here is so true. Because we even see this in the life of Jesus, right? I mean, think about the times when Jesus was pressed to the limit. Think about when he was in the desert. 40 days being tempted by the, by the devil. Tempted for 40 days. What does he rely on? When Jesus was doing ministry, he was being persecuted by religious leaders, what did he turn to? When he was on the cross, what do you see him doing and saying? He turns to scripture. You see, the Bible comes out of his mouth because it's deeply embedded into his heart. And when pressed to the limit, he relied on God's promises. And so in your notes there, you'll see in in parentheses, I listed several different scriptures. And what I would hope that you would do is read those, chew on them, memorize them, meditate upon them, and have God strengthen your faith through them. Then our next point is this. I act in faith relying on the Holy Spirit. I act in faith relying on the Holy Spirit. You see, we can only really believe what we actually do. (laughs) We can say we believe something, but if we don't act upon it and do it, We really don't believe it. And in Jesus, we see faith in action. Mark 9, 25 to 27. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as the people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. You know, as Jesus was talking with this boy's father, there started to be a crowd. They're hearing, hey, Jesus is here. So they all started coming. And in order not to have this father and son embarrassed anymore, Jesus goes right after this demon to cast him out. And afterwards, the boy is so traumatized, right, so exhausted, he's just kind of laying there like he's dead. And then Jesus tenderly, compassionately lifts up this boy and hands him to his father. You see, it honors God when we turn to him with dependent prayer, dependent prayer, with believing faith, and then take action. This is how we love God with all of our heart, all of our strength. This is where the Holy Spirit meets us at that place and empowers us and strengthens us. And once again, we see this happening in the life of Jesus, depending upon the Holy Spirit. Acts 10.38 says, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus relied on the Holy Spirit throughout his whole life and ministry. Do you recognize that? You see, even in the humanity of Jesus, while united with his divine life, he still needed to walk in obedience to the Father. And Jesus relied on the Holy Spirit so he could live the life that he needed to live and die the death that he needed to die. See, the Holy Spirit was present in Jesus' actual incarnation. The Spirit was there at Jesus' baptism. The Spirit was there and led Jesus in and out of his temptation. The Spirit empowered Jesus' miracles. The Spirit guided, led, and supported Jesus through all of his ministry. The Spirit was there with Jesus on the cross. It was the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that rose Jesus from the dead. And it's the Holy Spirit that baptizes us into Jesus Christ and so that we can live the life that God's called us to. You see, acting in faith and relying on the Holy Spirit gives us strength and gives us power from on high. Jesus tells us this in John 14, 16, and 17. I will ask the father and he will give you another helper who will stay with you forever. He is the spirit. He remains with you and is in you. And I love this powerful prayer that the apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesians. In Ephesians three sixteen and 19, it says this. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the saints to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ And to know this love that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. Amen. (laughs) So as we rely on the Spirit, we walk by the Spirit, and we are filled with the Spirit, which produces the fruit of the Spirit, which is, the first one is what? Love. And that's how we love God with all of our strength. We're strengthened by God in order to love God with all of our strength. And then last, I thank God for his help. I thank God for his help. Now, unfortunately, Mark doesn't record the father's reaction after his son was set free. And we don't get to hear the words that came out of that boy's mouth after so many days where the devil had been strangling him where he wasn't able to speak. But as a dad, I can only imagine. And I'm moved. And I'm grateful. You see, when we thank God and praise him, it brings us great joy. Joy. I love what David says in the Psalms. This is the key verse that John read for us earlier. Psalm 28, seven says, the Lord is my strength and shield. I trust him with all of my heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. And I burst out in songs of thanksgiving because when we thank God and we're grateful, you know, we acknowledge that it's his work. It's not us. It's his work. He did it. He gave us the strength and he gives, we give him all the glory that he deserves. Everything that Christ has done. And so to wrap all of this up, I kind of want to take us a real quick tour again here. Here's how I'd love to see you love God with all of your heart, even in circumstances that really, really stretch you beyond what you think you can do. Start to memorize some of those promises that God's given you that assure you of his presence, his strength, and his power. And then as a situation arises, you admit you can't do it on your own. You call out to Jesus for help and you grab hold of that promise. You trust in it. You put your faith in it. And then you step out and act upon it, relying on the Holy Spirit for his strength and power that you need. And believe, believe that Jesus is with you, that he is for you, and then move forward. And thank Him. And thank Him. And love Him with all of your heart. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank You that You are our strength. Lord, there's many things that make us weak. Lord, we get discouraged. And some of us struggle being bound by discouragement, depression. Some of us are struggling with overwhelming illness, negative thinking being bound to our past. But there's power in the name of Jesus. Some of us are immobilized, addicted to thoughts, to feelings, to things we're trying to fill ourselves. There is power, power in his name, but we need to be set free. We need your power to break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. Let them fall, Lord. Let us be free worship and love you with all of our heart. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power. Power in his name. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, to break every chain, to break every